Welcome to the Sunflower Conversations, where we explore the hidden disability sunflower and its role in supporting people with hidden disabilities. Welcome to the Sunflower Conversations. I'm Chantal and joining me today is Claire Louise Pittman. Claire Louise has congenital anosmia and is severely visually impaired. So how are you doing Claire Louise today? I'm good. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you very much. So I'm really interested to learn more about congenital anosmia. Can you tell me more? Um. So basically, it's just a fancy word for in, an inability not to smell. Um, congenital anosmia is like lifelong. You've never had it and never will have it. Um, it can be passed through genetics and and sometimes you don't know how it's occurred. OK. And so um, so basically, it's your sense of smell. Yes. It's simply, simply put. So... Um, I would imagine there's, that can bring up lots of barriers. So was there a defining moment then when your parents or you realised that you had no sense of smell? Um, I think it was when I was in year seven, I started to, couldn't understand why people were leaning into their food and sniffing it. I was just, what are you doing? And like in the ladies' changing rooms and people putting deodorant on, I was like, couldn't understand the purpose of it and they were like well of course it's to you know get rid of odors because they you know your armpits smell and I was like do they and then I started questioning myself do I actually like can't smell and I thought yeah I don't think I can so then I told my parents and then it was almost like I had to convince them that I couldn't smell and they were giving me things to sniff and I just sat there puzzled and then they sort of agreed with me in the end. It's interesting, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about your parents saying you having to convince them that you couldn't smell and the fact that they hadn't picked up on that. You said you were age seven. Year seven. Oh, so, year seven. So you were yeah. in secondary school. So you're about 11 years of age at that point, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, and that um, prior to that, it hadn't been noticed because one of the things um, I can, it's making me think about immediately is the smell of cooking or the smell of ch uh, chocolate and things like that. And we talk about the aromas, or for example, this morning I have made a spaghetti bolognese and my son is complaining to me because he said his school uniform was really going to smell of onions. So, um, but in your household, your parents just probably thought you were really easygoing. Yeah. Picking up on what I was talking about with the spaghetti bolognese, has your sense of smell had an impact on your sense of taste? What was eating like for you when you were growing up? So when I was when I was growing up, everything was normal. So I thought everything tasted the way it should and is. Um, but then when I sort of understood that I was an osmic, and notice things don't taste the same for me as they do to other people and working out meals that 
they're too soft it just makes me feel sick so texture texture is very yeah. important for you yeah so then I sort of took control of what I actually wanted to eat rather than what was given or offered yeah so up until that point were were meal times an issue at home with your family would you sit down and eat everything that they put in front of you or would you did you have an opinion on it so for example if something was a bit soft and it made you feel nauseous did that cause an issue did your parents think you were being picky no I think they they think I'm a bit picky anyway just generally in life yeah and does everything taste the same so for example if you was to eat um are you vegetarian no. So if you were to eat um, a sausage and you were to eat a tomato, is it the same flavour or is it different? Different, yeah. So you can detect different flavours, but it's not necessarily the actual flavour. Yeah. And so on a day-to-day basis, how has this affected your life, not being able to smell? I suppose there's always like a subconscious thing back back in my mind that, Every day I've got this condition and I need to be aware and alert. I still forget to like open windows if I'm cooking because I'm not very good at seeing the smoke, nor can I really smell the smoke. Yeah, we're always checking alarms in this house. So when you're talking about having to be alert, what specifically do you need to be alert to? It's just like the general situation. Um, if someone's cooking, um, make sure the windows are open and... The alarms are working. And and is it alert to danger? Yeah, pretty much. So smelling smoke. Yeah. If something's been left on the pan and it's burning, if you were in another room, I would be able to smell that. But you wouldn't know until you got into the kitchen and stood right in front of the hobby. You've mentioned that your um, sight is impaired. So that's another one of the key senses, isn't it? Can you just tell me um, how you were telling me before about the challenges that you face with, you know, has some food, is food okay to eat? Um, making sure things are um, in date and edible in like the fridge and things like that. Because um, with milk, to me, milk tastes sour anyway on its own. So when it's out of date, I still think it's all right. And I've had out-of-date milk. But luckily, I've been all right for some reason. Um, so, yeah, making sure it's in date and it's even if it is and it still looks a bit funny. But sometimes the dates are too small, so usually I usually put my own labels so I can see them. That's a good point, actually, about the accessibility of the packaging. It's been a big thing that the RNIB have been working on all the time because the it's so small. Yeah. It's really difficult. And that's if you've got an allergy to something, trying to read the ingredients, it's very difficult. Yeah, it is. And then added if it's something, because very often they say, oh, you know, the dates are just the dates. It's okay. You've got a few more days on top of that. However, the way that I would know is to smell the item. You know, well, I visually look, has it got mold on it? But often before the mold arrives, there's a smell, which would indicate to me that this is not safe to eat. You don't have that, do you? No, I 
So, so that's at home. What I mean, what? How has it affected you socially? It's been like a bit of a paranoia if I smell myself and that I'm like clean. I suppose um, if we go out to eat, I try and get what everybody else is getting because it's just easier that way. Um, but then if I don't enjoy it, I try and hide it. I don't know why. Yeah, and if I don't enjoy it, I won't finish it. But then I feel bad and I'm not joining in with the whole event. Yeah, Yeah, the experience, because eating is quite a social act, isn't it? And, you, and, and an enjoyment of your meal is crucial to that. Otherwise, you may as well just go out and have, I don't know, a glass of wine or something or a glass of water. So enjoying your food is a key element of that so do you feel that you do a lot of this pleasing others is that part of your character do you do you think or is it a result of you being visually impaired and your anosmia um a result I think so if you because you do you are able to taste something if you were to choose something to eat, what would you go for? Like if it was just totally your choice, nobody else cares, what would you go for? A chicken curry. Chicken curry. So something with a lot of spice, then you, you can kind of, you can get a bit more of a flavour from that. Yeah. And the, the texture of the chicken is something to chew in to. Yeah, exactly. You are listening to the Sunflower Conversations with Chantal. To learn more about the sunflower, visit our website. Details are in the show notes. So when you just d- discovered that you had anosmia, did it take a long time for them to give you a formal diagnosis of that? Um, I don't even know if I've been properly diagnosed. When I went to my last I suppose, nose appointment, um, the doctor said, oh, we thought you might not be able to smell. Um, I was a bit taken back by that excuse me um because they didn't tell my parents either so they were a bit confused why are you seeing the doctor for your nose a checkup from my operation that they did on my nose so the operation was to have a titanium you had to have a titanium plate fitted didn't you when you were a tiny yeah. baby can you tell us a little bit more about that well um basically uh my skull wasn't developed properly in the wound, which was called a nasal encephalocele. Um, so they didn't know about this till I obviously came out the wound, um, wasn't breathing properly, and my brain was coming down my nose. Right. Um, I had to act fast, and I went to four different hospitals, I think. Um, so... They had to prop my brain back up with the titanium plate. Um, by doing that, they said they went too far into my nose and damaged the fibres, um, which also, I think, um, brought on the lack of vision. Um, and then the from the operation, they had to cut my skin off, you know, over my skull. That was called a corneal incision with all the bandages and whatever they had to use they then discovered I was allergic to the sticky stuff 
on that. So now I'm allergic to plasters. So I went bright red. Um, I was itching, apparently. Um, I had some seizures, which thankfully now I don't have. You went through quite a lot as a newborn baby. Yeah. Your parents must have been so worried. Yeah, they were. So they saved your life, this operation. But unfortunately, there has been some damage which was sustained as a result of what they had to do, like a major operation. I can't even imagine what that is like doing that to a newborn baby. Um, so therefore, that's why the doctor said to you, we thought you might have that, but just didn't think to mention it to anybody. Yeah. That would have been helpful, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. And so when you, just going back, so we're talking about how it's affected you, you know, socially. So when you were in year seven, and then you this sort of came to realisation, I can't smell, did it have any effect? Did it, did you, do you feel that your character changed then? Because before you didn't realise, then yeah. once you know, did your character change? And do you feel that that made a difference to your experience at school or at, you know, secondary school? Not really sure. I suppose it did in the sense of like personal hygiene and trying to make sure I smell normal like everybody else and then not overdo it and put too much body spray on. Because we're very self-conscious, aren't we, when we're in yeah. our teens you know year seven I mean that's when everything goes a little bit haywire for all young people you know do I fit in how I look do I smell because body odor can really become quite pungent at that age um, and if you're not aware of it somebody yeah. makes a comment and you you haven't realized then it's incredibly difficult I would have thought yeah it was were your friends kind to you about, about it um, I don't know, because they didn't know. I can't really... Oh, you didn't tell them? You didn't tell anyone? No, not really, because I didn't know who to tell and how to go about it. So you contacted us because you wanted people to know, learn, learn more about an osteo. Yeah. Um, how old are you now? 23. 23. So when did you start feeling like, actually, I want to talk about this. I want people to understand. When did that change occur? I think college, because I did my final major project on it, and people were surprised and thought, oh, I didn't realise you couldn't smell. And I thought, I thought that from my point of view, it's quite obvious, but maybe it actually isn't. Yeah. So do you get your mum to help you? Do you sort of, like, when you get ready in the morning, and you're like, am I okay level of, um, you know, fragrance? Yeah. Well, that's great that you did, a, that you did your projects on it. And then presumably that's then giving you the confidence to then talk about it more and contact us to do this podcast to raise awareness of it. Yeah, it is. And so one of the symptoms of COVID was loss and smell, wasn't it? Um, and in some cases, um, for people who were having this long, well, having COVID actually, whilst they actually had COVID, um, I know that things smelt differently. So for example, um, a friend of mine, everything smelt like... Um, like a candle and tasted like a candle like she tasted she when she was eating things it tasted like a candle and that but there are treatments I believe um such as smell training for COVID patients because of how you think that your anosmia was caused because of the operation and maybe some damage being done are there any treatments that you can try or have tried uh, yeah from the 
previous meeting I just spoke about, you did um, say, well, there is this operation we could give you that might give you a small amount of um, scent to you or nothing. And I thought, it's not worth it for me personally then. I'd rather have it 100% and it actually work rather than go in there and it might not work at all. Presumably it's quite a big operation, I would have thought. Yeah, probably would be. So you have just decided to, to live with it as part of who you are. Until they um, come up with something better and more more definite, then, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, you want some certainty. Yeah. Or you undergo a major operation, which is completely understandable. So where do you go where did you turn to for help and support or have have you found an organization that's been able to support you um I suppose when I first discovered I'd um googled it as normal people would and started reading other people's stories and there was one lady who forgot about a candle that she left on in her flat and luckily she got out when like the flat caught fire. Oh. And I thought, oh, this is this going to be my future? Um, and then, then I found like Facebook groups of anosmia because there's different types of anosmia. Um, you sort of choose what group you sort of fit in. But then people were, as you were saying, from the COVID, people were joining the groups um, and saying they couldn't smell. Um, but that was because of COVID, so they were going to get it back. So that made me quite annoyed. So eventually I was just leaving them one by one because I couldn't take it. They they get their scent back, whereas, you know, us people, we've got to live with this for the rest of our lives. Um, then I found the Fifth Sense charity, and they liked one of the images from my final major project where... Um, somebody is asleep in front of gas tanks, so they use that for their um, sort of. I can't remember the exact organisation, but some sort of gas gas alarm company. I'd love to see the picture. You have to send it over, and we can share it. I've never seen somebody who can't smell face to face. It's all it's always online. And would you like to meet up with people who have got the same? anosmia as you and have that connection would that do you feel that that would be of support to you yeah I think it would because you would bounce off each other and probably have the same stories related yeah I remember when we spoke before you were saying that people still now give you things and say but can't you smell this yeah I don't understand that and then they say you so you've never been able to smell, like it's a question. I'm like, yes, I've never been able to smell. And even if you do give me something to smell, it's not going to happen. How does it make you feel when people do that? I don't know, I feel very awkward um, and think, oh, are they really not listening to what I've just said? And then I pretend to sniff it, which probably doesn't help in the long run. And then I pretend to act, you know, oh, yeah, horrible. So it is forcing you into this position that you're extremely uncomfortable with. You just want to be listened to and heard. Yeah. So you mentioned about this 
a striking image. I've got it visualized in my head of somebody laying down next to gas bottles. Did you do this with your cameraless photography? So try and keep this simple. So it's cameraless photography is basically any process or technique that doesn't involve a typical camera. So it's about using light sensitive materials or a like a flatbed scanner or a scanner on a printer. How do you find that? Because you have a visual impairment. What is your vision like? I suppose I'm good with close-up things. I can thread a needle. I'm not very good at peripheral peripheral vision. So if somebody comes up to me from the side, I haven't got a clue they're there. Um, I suppose I do have long vision, but the further along it gets, it gets blurrier and less detailed. I'm not very good at depths of like steps or um, like perception of how far things are. I think they're either further away or closer than they actually are. So yeah. Do you use any aids? I have a white cane, but it's just a like a standing holding cane to let people know. So that combined with not being able to smell, I presumably sort of adds to a bit of anxiety when yeah. you're out and about. Like you say, the dangers, because you've got the danger of, am I judging this step correctly? Am I going to fall with the added fear of not being able to be alert to danger um, from your sense of smell? So it sounds quite tough. Yeah, it is. Well, I think it's really wonderful that you've shared your story with us today to highlight what the condition is. And um, do you have any advice for anyone who has anosmia and is feeling isolated i suppose i would say like research is important and proper facts that you know are true there are like cooking books for anosmic people that i haven't yet tried but i would presume are good um i suppose i would advise if you're not enjoying your meal and you're not going to finish it it's not worth putting yourself through those feelings and you should just leave it and maybe also suppose the cheesy and you're not alone and try and find people that are like you and that's lovely advice and you should get that book the cookbook and uh, have a go get back in touch with us and let us know how it went and if you uh, had any meals that you enjoyed yeah well thank you very much Claire Louise it's been very enlightening and um, I wish you all the best with your cameraless photography course and your cooking from the anosmic um, cookbook. Oh, thank you for having me. If you are interested in any of the advice discussed in this podcast, please follow up with your GP or healthcare practitioner. to share your sunflower story or conversation please email conversations at hiddendisabilitystore.com find out more about us or listen to this recording again by checking out our insights page at hiddendisabilitystore.com you can also find us on facebook instagram twitter youtube and linkedin please help have patience and show kindness to others and join us again soon. Making the invisible visible with the hidden disability sunflower.